Well, good morning. It's good to be with you as we kick off a new series called Found People. Uh, today is the first week that we are beginning that series, and uh, so glad that we get to be together as we do that. There's been some recent studies on Christians in our culture, and what they're finding are two uh, perspectives in culture that seem to be gaining ground. And the, the first one is this, is that culture views Christians as irrelevant. And then the second one is culture views Christians as extremists. Now, I can get the first one. If you think irrelevant, okay, if we take the, the whole U.S. church and look maybe at the impact we're having, irrelevant, okay, maybe. But extreme, that one's hard to understand because what they're calling extreme behaviors really are things that Christ and his followers have done for over 2,000 years. Let me give you a couple of things that are labeled extreme by culture. One is the pursuit of mission work. Whether you do that on a church, in a church or in another organization, the fact that you would leave a good-paying job and go pursue that, two out of five people, adults in America, believe that's extreme behavior. 63% of the adults feel that sharing your faith is extreme. You, you're not supposed to do that. Evangelism, where you just share what God's doing in your life. 63% of Americans say that is extreme behavior. And then the study also points out a whole large group of behaviors that we would call next steps here in this church. About uh, regularly coming to service like you're doing here or joining a group, or serving, or giving money. Those are extreme behaviors. Reading your Bible is extreme. Reading your Bible in public is extreme behavior. And, and I'm not talking like reading out loud in a coffee shop. I'm just sitting there reading your Bible. People believe that that is religious extremism. So, so why am I sharing this? What, what is the point? What society calls extreme is what Jesus Christ said is normal for followers of him. And so what we're asking you to do in this series is not be extreme, but be normal. We're going to ask you to do a couple things in this series, three of them. Uh, the first being invite somebody to show up Sunday on September 18th. We'll talk about why, you know, why would you even do that? The other thing we want you to do is we want everyone to be confident in sharing their God story. We'll talk about that next week. And then the last thing is, is we want everybody to take a next step in their faith. For some, it may be baptism. Others, it will be giving. Others, it will be uh, giving and getting in a group. All of those things, we want to help people take a next step. Society may call that extreme, but people who call themselves Christ followers, that is normal be behavior. That is what found people do if we're looking at found people. And today we're going to look at how found people find people. That's the topic we're going to look at today. When was the last time you recommended something to somebody? Could be a product, could be a doctor's yeah, that you referred somebody to, maybe a restaurant. Think back. 
Well, it happened for us. We went, uh, my wife and I went, we needed a new mattress. So last December, we went to a mattress store and we proceeded to try the different mattresses. And on our way out, the salesperson came over and said, hey, can we help you before you leave? We said, no, we think we're going to get that one right over there. And then Kim, my wife said, but the pillow on that mattress over here, that was incredible. And so he proceeded to share, oh yeah, my wife bought that when I didn't. And then she just talked every morning about how that pillow helped her with her sleep. And so I got one. So it is a good pillow. So Kim got the pillow that day. And she said, would you like one, Rob? And I looked at the price tag and I said, there is no way that I'm going to buy a pillow. The pillow cannot be that good. So she bought one. You know where this is going, right? She bought a pillow, and then I just listened to her each morning get up and go, oh, what a great sleep I had. I was like, really? That's good. And then I'm a light sleeper, so in the middle of the night, I'm just hearing her deep breathing and sleeping like a baby. And all I could hear were the words in my head, I'm not getting that pillow, you know? So, here's what I did. I wanted to try the pillow, but I didn't want to buy one. While Kim was sleeping, I pulled a little bit of the pillow out so I could get some for myself. And so I slept well. But I started getting greedy by about the third or fourth night. I took half the pillow. And she woke up like, what are you doing? Get your own pillow. Which I did. Ended up going back to the store, and the guy said, you're buying a pillow, aren't you? I said, yes, because of what you said and what Kim's saying. Our, our, the recommendation of a friend uh, draws us in. There's something about that. It's not commercials. It's not billboards. It's not those annoying Facebook ads that remember your Google searches and present ads, right? It's none of that stuff. It is a word from a friend, a recommendation that will draw somebody to do something. Matter of fact, Nielsen Global Survey and Trust in Advertising ranked the recommendation of a friend at 83% trust factor, that it will draw somebody in to a product. Out of all the things that advertisers could use, all the methods there before them, the number one thing is a word from a friend, a recommendation from a friend who has found something that has changed their life. What's true in advertising world is true for the mission of Jesus Christ as well. That you and I are the most credible sources that a person has about Jesus and a relationship with him. And so that's where we want to begin today, asking ourselves the question, what does it look like for a found person who finds people? What, what does that look like? And we're going to look at four questions today. But before we do that, I want to get a Bible in your hand. If you don't have one, the ushers should be coming down. You can borrow it if you need to or take it home. If you don't have a Bible, just signal to them. Uh, it's a gift from the church to you if you don't have one. We'll be in the New Testament, John chapter 1, if you want to start to head that way. And give you a little bit about, before we enter our story, what's going on. Jesus is at the very front end of his mission. He's starting to gain a following. 
People are starting to follow him. As a matter of fact, the day before our story here, we see Andrew and Simon, they started following Jesus. And that's where we pick up. Verse 43, the next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, come, follow me. Jesus finds this guy named Philip and says something very simple, a very simple invitation. He says, come, follow me. Hey, you're with me. Let's go. And we read that Jesus, uh, Philip follows Jesus. And I always love watching how that works out, how people find Jesus. Because some people are looking for him. We'll see that Philip kind of was looking for Jesus and he finds him here. But then you and I know we see people, they're not even looking for Jesus and they find him. It's always fascinating how it's done, but what does it mean, find, found? What does that mean to be a a found person? Well, we know from Scripture, it's clear that God desires a relationship with me and with you. But the problem is, and we, we just sang about it, we talked about it, the problem is our sin. That part of us that says, I'm doing what I want versus what God wants. You maybe heard phrases like, we are dead in our sins, or that person is lost, is the way that you would hear it. That's the problem. And it's not just a few of us that have this problem. The Bible says all of us have this problem where our sin separates us from God. We don't like that problem. And so we we attempt to solve it, and it People deal with this in different ways. Some people say, I don't believe it. I don't believe in God. Or I don't believe in a God that would require that. Some will say, actually, I believe in God, but then they go about redefining the biblical standard to what they want it to be. Like, I've been a good person. I haven't done anything extreme. I regularly go to church, so I'm good enough. But the problem is we will never be good enough. We will never do enough good to make ourselves worthy of that relationship with God. The reality is a solution has to come outside of ourselves to solve that problem. Now, that's the bad news that's in here. But this whole book points to the good news that God loved us so much that he provided a way, not leaving us there, but he provided a way through Jesus Christ's sacrifice on that cross. He died and paid the penalty for our sin, that through him we have forgiveness and through his resurrection we have life and we have life eternal. And when we believe, once we realize and say, you know, I believe that is true. I believe that my sin actually separates me from having a relationship with God. And that I believe that God sent his son as a gift for me to accept. And that through him, I can have life and that restoration and relationship with God. When we come to that point and believe that and trust That is a found person. That is when somebody moves from being lost to being found. 
And so here's the question, the first question before us is when. When did that happen for you? When did you find Jesus or when did Jesus find you? I know when it happened for me. At a very young age, and my parents were here first service, so you can't ask them, but my mom and dad would tell you this is true. At a very young age, I understood morality. I understood right and wrong, and it weighed on me at a very young age. No matter what I tried to do, I would pray as a young kid a lot. I would talk to other people to kind of get some relief on what I was feeling. I would go to confessional week in and week out. I may have been able to release that guilt and shame for a while, but it was no sooner back. It felt like clothes that you wear. They're on. I felt it. And then in October of 1982, I met a man named Don. And Don shared with me, because I was telling him how I felt, and he said, Rob, stop searching for things. Stop searching for methods to get rid of that. Seek a person. Seek Jesus Christ. And I'm looking at him, and I was like, he's found something that I have not found. And he proceeded to share about how my relationship with God could be restored and the forgiveness that I could receive through him. And so on that day, it was 34 years ago, was the day that I moved from lost to found. My relationship with Jesus Christ began in that October of 1982. And the, the neatest thing of all this, what did Don do for a profession? A firefighter, a first responder, a lifesaver. He pointed me to the one who is my eternal lifesaver, Jesus Christ. Who is it for, for you? Do, do you have a relationship with Jesus? When, when did that happen? For some of you, you know the time frame. I, I, I kind of know it was around here. Others of you will be like, I remember the day, the hour, who was with me. And for many people, that moment is their baptism, where it's a culmination of them saying, I know all that, and I believe it, and I accept it. When is that for you? And I do realize that there are some in here that don't have a found story yet. And I say, yet. The coolest thing is you can begin writing that story today. And I'm so glad that you're here. Keep coming. Keep asking questions. How can we help you resolve from going from, you know, lost to found. Let's go back to our story. Jesus finds Philip, and what's the very first thing that Philip does? Philip went to look for Nathanael and told him, we have found the very person Moses and the prophets wrote about. His name is Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. When I read stories in scripture, I just love to kind of picture the scene. And I, I almost like Philip running down this dirt road. You know, it's dry and he's running. The dust is coming up and he's yelling, Nathaniel, where are you? They're like, he went over there. Nathaniel, come here. The person that we have been looking for, we have been studying in scripture since kids. I just found him. The one that we had hoped for, the Messiah, the Savior, I found him. So Philip 
is found by Jesus, and immediately he goes and finds Nathanael. Which leads to our second question, who? Who do you know that needs to meet Jesus, or at least have the opportunity to meet Jesus? We have so many people around us, especially here in Raleigh. Forbes ranked Raleigh one of 10 cities where people are moving to, right? I'll put two numbers up for you. The first one is 63. What's that mean? 63 people are moving here every day. And they are joining the next number, 88 the 63 are joining the 88% of Wake County of people who do not have a church and potentially don't know Jesus. We have people coming all around us, family, schools, work. People are coming. Who is it you know that needs to know Jesus? Because found people find people wanting to share what they are experiencing. They want to share it with others. Jesus found Philip. Philip finds Nathaniel. And then Philip says, I'm following Jesus. And then we read, Nazareth? Exclaimed Nathaniel. Can anything good come from Nazareth? Come and see for yourself, Philip replied. Uh, Nathaniel is from Cana of Galilee. So you got a picture, okay, Nazareth, about three or four miles away. So small town here. And we know small town rivalries and jealousies, right? Duke, Chapel Hill, Raleigh. Oh, Duke saying, Chapel Hill? What good can come from Chapel Hill? Or Chapel Hill going, what? Duke, what, what good can from, come from Duke? But... There's more to it, you know, with Nazareth and the kind of city, but Nathaniel was not buying it. For him, it was completely unthinkable that the Savior would come from this little place called Nazareth. Nathaniel was skeptical. And this may happen for us. We may run into some people who are skeptical and they have questions. As we say, come and see. So the third question is this, how? How do you deal with that? If you're inviting somebody to come and see and they, they respond with skepticism, what do you do with that? I mean, if you're like me, you're thinking, okay, well, they might have this question or this question. They have this kind of background, so they may go this way or they may go that way. You got all of these things that are running in your head and it makes you nervous or anxious. And you may say, you don't get that way. Yes, I do. You would think that I wouldn't, but I do. So what are we to do with that? How are we to respond? I say, yeah, like you're here. And so we're, we're, every week we are learning from God's word, but don't stop, you know, out of Sunday morning, go home regularly, read your Bible, get a good Bible, get like a study Bible, an application Bible. And then there's so many free resources out on the internet. Get all of those things but don't get wrapped up in it. Look at how Philip responds, which I love. He says, come and see for yourself. Simple, come and see. It's our equivalent of just saying, hey, would you come have coffee with me? I want to share what's going on in my life with you. Come and see. We can get so wrapped up in 
what you know people will do and will we be able to handle it, but simply all you're saying is come and see. Philip doesn't get bogged down in the details. He doesn't argue with Nathaniel. He doesn't say, you're an idiot for not believing. He doesn't do any of that. He just says, come and see. And so, so here's how we want to help you as together we say, come and see. September 18th, show up Sunday. That's an easy thing for you to say, hey, come and see. This has meant, uh, meant a lot to me. I just want you to see what's going on. We're starting a new series on that day called What Keeps You Up at Night. It's no longer my pillow, but, um, uh, but we're starting a series called What Keeps You Up at Night. And so we're challenging everyone to go ahead and invite somebody who might come and see, somebody you care about. And it's not because we think this place, LifePoint Church, these seats, that's the goal. Mm -mm. I, I, we don't care if you recommend another Christ-centered church, but an invite to them to say, come and see. We're providing a way here on September 18th for you to do that. And when you do that, you never know if that will be the time that somebody comes and they have the opportunity to hear about Jesus and then find Jesus. Look at how this plays out for Philip and Nathaniel. Philip makes the introduction, and then Jesus speaks. As they approached, Jesus said, Now here is a genuine son of Israel, a man of complete integrity. How do you know about me, Nathaniel asked. Jesus replied, I could see you under the fig tree before Philip found you. I love that. That's like unfiltered Nathaniel. He's like, you, what? You don't know me. And Jesus says, I know everything about you, all the details of your life, and still I'm moving towards you to draw you in. Even though I know everything about you, come, follow me. Now, the fig tree for students in the Jewish culture, the fig tree was a popular place for prayer. And so some commentators, much smarter than me, have said that this idea could be possible. That there Nathaniel was praying. And if he was a good student, then he would be praying that the Messiah would be coming and that he would spot the Messiah. So there he is. You, you put this together. There he is. And his buddy Philip comes and says, while he's under the fig tree, I found the one. And then Jesus shows up and says, come follow me. Here, here's what that tells me. And it's something we need to remember, that God is always at work. Whether we see it or not, whether we believe it or not, he always is going ahead of us and working on people. And to know that God is doing that ought to take a lot of pressure off of us, right? That those people that you're thinking about saying, come and see, that God is already working in their hearts. We get so wrapped up in, okay, who will be speaking? Who will be the band leader? What will it be right? I need to introduce them to the right friends and all that to get the conditions right. As if we're going to save the person. This reminds me, God's working. He's the one at work. I don't save people. Jesus does. 
I don't change, you know, God is the one that does the work and saves people. And that ought to bring a lot of comfort for us. It does for me. But the neatest thing is, is he uses us in the process to connect people with himself. He uses us. Why? I don't know. But he does. Which leads to the last question. Fourth one. Why? Why is this so important? Why are we talking about this? Verse 49. Then Nathanael exclaimed, Rabbi, you are the son of God, the king of Israel. Saying, I've been searching for you my whole life. I've been waiting for my Savior, and I found him. Why do we talk about this? Because there are people who have not found Jesus and are separated from God. And it doesn't have to be that way. It starts with me. It starts with you. All we're doing is coming alongside of somebody and saying, come and see. I want you to pull out in your program, you should have a card called the My Five card. You can pull that out right now. We're not going to do anything right now, but I do want you to hold on to this card. And we'll do something in a second. It's called the My Five card. I want to introduce you to some people before we look at that My Five card. LaShonda uh, Calloway. You may have read this story a couple of years ago. Uh, she is 27-year-old mother of three, wanted to be a model. And she, went, uh, she was shot at a, a convenience store. And the convenience store f had a camera and they caught this footage that I'm going to talk to you about. She manages to get from outside into the convenience store and then collapses. Three times the footage shows that she tries to get up and collapses again three times. In that process, there were five people that did this stepped over her to get what they wanted, stepped back. And one of them, on the video, you see them taking video footage before they leave. Now, LaShonda ends up dying. Let me talk to you about Nikki Hamlin and Abby D'Agostino. You may have seen this from the Olympics recently. Nikki is the New Zealand runner. Abby's from the U.S. They're both in a 5,000-meter race. They end up falling at around 31, 3,200 meters. They fall. And Abby gets back up but sees that Nikki is struggling to get up. And she goes down. Abby puts her hand on Nikki's shoulder and says, come on, get up. We got to finish. This is the Olympics. And they ended up both getting up. They finished with different times. And then Nikki was interviewed at the end, and, and she said this, regardless of the race and the results on that board, that is a moment that you're never, ever going to forget the rest of your life. It's going to be that girl shaking my shoulder like, come on, get up. You're coming with me because I'm not leaving you behind. Friends, what kind of church are we going to be? Are we going to be a church that steps over and around people and say, that's not my problem, or that person will never change? 
and we don't give them the time of day? Or are we going to do what is normal for Christ followers, and that is to say, I am not leaving you behind and just have a relationship with them. The band's going to play, and I want you to begin praying about who you're going to ask to come and see here on September 18th. Now, you may say, I don't need to have them come here to talk about Jesus, and you're absolutely correct. We never want the goal to be this place over Jesus. Use this to say, I want to begin to have the opportunity to talk to them about Jesus. And maybe ask them to, to come and see. But eventually, they will need a church home to come alongside of them and love them and ser help serve them. And they'll be part of a body that serves and gets in relationship. Put that name down in here. You may say, but... LifePoint isn't their kind of church. Okay. There are so many great Christ-centered churches in this area. Put their name down and pray that they would take a step into the local church. Maybe it's that other church. Go with them. Maybe it's a prayer for you, and maybe that's a step that God's calling you to do. And then there may be some, no, I know it's here. This place not this place. God has used this place to help change my life because this is where I found Jesus. We'll put their name down on here. I'm going to give you a couple minutes while the band plays for you to just talk to God about that and begin. There should be pens in your seat pockets. Begin to put names on here who God is calling you to say, come and see. Some of you are here, and I know you, because somebody put your name down on a card and started praying for you. Talking to somebody this past week that said I was a name on a card. Imagine if the people that you're starting to pray for would come to this church or another church and it's there that they find Jesus. Wouldn't that be great? Because Jesus changes everything. It changes the here and the now, and he changes our eternal destiny. Oh, what our communities, our neighborhoods, our workplaces would be if more people found Jesus. And it simply happened because found people went to find people, uh, to find people, and simply say, come and see. Let me pray. Father, I just thank you for this time as you're calling us as a church body to start to reflect on who's around us, that you have already gone ahead and we're just speaking to them. Maybe some of us are putting our name down on this card. Just continue to move in that person's life. And may we as a church body just go and share what we've experienced with others. Give us the courage to do that. And it's in your son's name I pray. Amen.